With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode of Misery Hunters is brought to you by Paisley Craft Beer Co. Paisley's number one and only craft beer venue. You can sit in and take away and we've also just introduced a local delivery service. So if you live in the Renfrewshire area and are looking for craft beer, we can deliver the same day if you order before one o'clock. Next day delivery as well for any time after that. Minimum order is £20. Any orders over 60, you get free delivery. So what are you waiting for? Go to paisleycraftbeer.com. That's paisleycraftbeer.com. Hello you miserable bastards and welcome to the Misery Hunters podcast. My name is Jamie Coburn and joining me is Mark Jarden. Woo! And only Mark Jarden. No. Fresh off his uh, commentary debut, um, Sam has now gone too big for his boots and is demanding a fee. Yeah, a kebab pie or money, he said. I mean, technically I owe his sister a kebab pie. (laughs) She did buy us one at half time. Thank you, Rosie. Uh, so another one well, I, well we'll talk about the commentary well, wait, Misery Hunters finally made our debut on St Mirren TV commentary myself and Sam got the call up well I got the call up because like when I run stuff I get to jump in and then everybody else fought over that position and it had to be decided by a random wheel generator and if you can remember or cast your mind back to uh, the, the Covid season where, uh, when uh Games were given out on ballot. You remember Sam was undefeated on that ballot, <laughs> and he yeah, would not let people forget it. <laughs> there's definitely something going on. I think he's got like a kind of Ocean's Eleven clicker system going on, where he's somehow manipulating the manipulating the code behind these things. But hey, if he, if he wins the next one, assuming there is a next one, then he's getting two fifty out of the booth. So <laughs> see how it goes. <laughs> To be fair, he was how come he was very good at commentary. He took to it very naturally, Sam. Yeah, despite what what 
literally only one person said them on Twitter, which was nice. <laughs> um, I, I thought I thought you both did really well. I, I think you're right. I think Sam in particular just had a a real kind of natural kind of commentator's tone to mm-hmm. to things. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that both of you coped admirably. I think. See, to be honest, see, see, listening to you guys talk about it and then going back and listening to the, the commentary after, it gives you a little bit of an insight into, as much as uh, I think you guys said it felt quite natural, it's not the easiest thing in the world no. to to talk um, when you, you can't see who's listening to you and you don't have replays of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you said you don't even have a full view of the of the pitch in order to yeah you can't really see what's, see what's happening the, the corner the corner at the family for the the, the executive box yeah. corner um the club deck the club deck whenever that's built <laughs> um it, it does give you a little bit of an insight into to actually how tough that is to just think on the hoof mm-hmm. about things I and mean, talking and particularly yeah so no i was gonna say i had notes and I rattled through them all within the first five minutes. And I was like, hey, I've got nothing left to say. <laughs> I hope the ball doesn't go out of play at any point in the next hour and a half. Um, but no, honestly, I think um, I think you guys you guys did really well. And, and I think it's so refreshing. I, I mean, I know we've had our fun about like mispronunciations and, mm-hmm. and whatever. Like I've never been critical of the commentary. Generally, it's more just that if you're going to commentate on the same players every week, <clears throat> like pronunciation would be mm-hmm. a good laugh. Um, but the actual commentary is fine, but it, this isn't a disparaging to that at all. But it's it's so refreshing to hear actual fans, mm. fans on commentary. Like I, I, I just I love the the you know like I think you guys were talking about going back to the the penalty um, the penalty coverage from the the playoff with Dundee United, mm-hmm. and then. The guy's name's just slipped my mind. Is it, is it Chris? Um, Chris Kilgallen? I'm not 100, percent but um, I know who you're talking about, you. and I think most people yeah, who watch these games know who, who you're talking about. Yeah, who when we used to score used to properly mm. like lose the head and, and shout, and that's what I want from club commentary. I don't want some ste- I don't want Rob McLean like, <laughs> or, or whatever. Just with some kind of sterile, you know, you get enough of that on the telly. If mm-hmm. if you're if you're getting your own club's commentary, then you want. You want a bit of the flavour of the, the club in there as well. So looking at Facebook and, and everything else and, and folk that have mentioned it to me, I, th- I think people seem to seem to really enjoy it. No, yeah. Like I mean you can tell when the goal went in, we were really enjoying it. And of course I've got, <laughs> I've, got I've got that audio clip lined up right now so we can listen to it again just here. Well one from Fraser against you and well done for How much do you think Sam practiced the line? It's backers for the buddy. <laughs> That's pure Dave Crocker. I mean, I, I don't think we could have asked Ian for a, Crocker. Sorry, Ian, Ian Crocker. Crocker. Jesus Christ! But uh, you could like I, I don't think we could have asked for a better game to have commentated on and like a better no, start to it because it gave us something to kind of talk about for the rest of the like. But, trying to think of things to say rather than just players' names as well. Like, I think there was one point we were talking about Cabrera and how his name rolls off the tongue quite nicely. (laughs) (laughs) 
And um, I think um, there'll definitely be games against Ross County and Kilmarnock where you won't have a character equivalent to Ryan Porteous giving you play talk about you wouldn't have missed one on ones and possible red cards and, and all the rest of it. So it was it was definitely a good one to kind of you know ease you in. I think I think we kind of talked about Ryan. I don't know did we do this on air or was it beforehand? Um, about Ryan Porteous saying that we actually quite liked him and thought he was a good player. It was just the, the nonsense that surrounded him. And like after that game, I'm like, yeah, that, that that's probably maybe not the best because he kind of like he could have cost his team quite a lot. Yeah, I think you you said pretty much that. I think you said what I think we've all said at one point or another. If he was, do you mean if he came through the our academy and they hung about and stayed in Paisley, we would love him. Like he'd be. He's the type of guy that the majority of the time you're going to get right behind. And he's, I think Sam had made the point as well, he's, he's a very, very technically capable footballer. There's no there's no getting away from that. Even if you don't think he's a Scotland quality centre-half, mm-hmm. coming forward with the ball, I think in a, a better, stronger team, he could he could potentially really, really shine. But you wonder if he is, you know, kind of happy to stay loyal to the club he supports. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, yeah, I think if you strip out all the, the nonsense, he has a, a good... Mm-hmm. A good defender, but you, you can't strip out all the nonsense. It's, he said he said a number of years. It's like Morelos. He's had he's had four or five years yeah. to drop that shite, and he hasn't by now. So that is. I don't think he's going to. Yeah, so we'll we'll move on from the commentary, but we will give our thanks out to St. Martin. Um, you know, Davy Nichol for giving us the shout, asking if we wanted to be involved, and then he said for him to say, "Do you want to be involved tomorrow?" I'm really? Like, eh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Jim for obviously, um, everything, and I think Keith Lasley because. Um, James Hunter did tell us that Keith Lasley had mentioned it before that he wanted us to be involved in a, a few more things. So, uh, I mean, it's mental to think that we I started this podcast with, with Craig in my, my living room and now we're, we've reached the comms of St. Martin. However, is that about two and a half years ago at this point? Uh, r- roughly, in your yeah. living room talking about the arsehole factor. factor. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I guarantee you 100% Keith Lasley has not listened to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like, uh, good uh, good lads to, mm-hmm. to a man um, mm-hmm. with all of them and just waiting for the text this week to tell us working up to 10 Castle. Well, yeah, we did say, like James did say, if, if like we liked it and stuff, there'll be more opportunities for us, especially around away games. I think sometimes it's a bit tougher to arrange the the commentary for some on TV for away games. And I mean, we we told them after the game, um, it was quite funny. We were talking to them in the tunnel, as like just players and guys were walking by as Hibs players, Martin players, um, that like um, we're down for anything. And he said like he'll he'll get the diary open and he'll he'll let us know, um, especially around the away games. So I think the, the fact that away games get mentioned quite a few times, you're going to hear us again. And um, I think more of us, more of you'll hear us on our away game than we will at home. But like I will also say the the where you're at uh, in the commentary, but on the uh, west end, it's so loud. Like it, it, like yeah. it's just like the sort of mi- the perfect middle and the sound from like um, the North Bank boys coming up and like everybody singing and all that. It's really hard not to join in and clap and stuff. Like yeah. you, you kind of go, oh right, I can't actually start singing. Um, I think a, a game like that was really good for it as well because there was obviously like, a great atmosphere. But I think that's a a thing where you stick a couple of fans in on top of that mm-hmm. and you you feel like you're right in the middle mm-hmm. of that atmosphere. I thought that was so so noticeable. I mean, I, I said main stand just kind of up to the as you look at it from the west stand up to the left of the the away dugout mm-hmm. and um do you mean it, it can be a bit of a graveyard at times it's it's pretty quiet 
even even when the away stand and the and W seven are, are are getting their voices up, it's not always the loudest. But you could tell it was a bit louder mm-hmm. on um, on Saturday. But see, listening back to that commentary, like you, do you mean you could have told me that crowd was two or three times the mm-hmm. the size it was, and I, I would have believed you. Generally speaking, I thought it was a great crowd on Saturday. It was. It was. It was a great turnout. The family stand even looked a wee bit busier as well, which is obviously really good to see with like the the news that has been all over Twitter with the old firm and stuff. Yeah. So, but we do have a game to talk. We do have a win to talk and another clean sheet to talk about. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get to talking about the game and less about ourselves. Um, the game itself, like uh, the start of it, like I think, like. I think Hibs kind of made the better start. They were kind of a wee bit like putting balls in the box a wee bit earlier. I think we, we kind of noticed early on that I think the tactic was to get the ball to Martin Boyle and let him run at Richard Tate. That seemed to be the only tactic they did have. Even when they changed their shape, yeah. they kind of went for that. But it was quite noticeable early on. But then, obviously, we couldn't ask for a better start. Like, an absolutely fantastic flick, flick from Ryan Strain to the... As I think Sam said on the commentary, put Cabrai into another postcode, um, <laughs> and then um, a good ball in finding Bacchus like unmarked, and it, it was a really good goal. So um, I'm sure it was Coventry saying on Twitter, put up the two screenshots of just as Ryan Strain makes contact with that mm-hmm. to flick it, and then like two seconds later when he takes his next touch, and Cabrai has gone from being within an inch of the ball and Ryan Strain to been you know, almost an hour half mm-hmm. like entirely of it it was just perfect and I didn't think um, I didn't think it was going to happen I thought I thought we were going to lose the ball um, it was right in front of, of where I sit but it was it was perfect and then like, even more than the, the flick what, what I'm really liking about Ryan Strain is I think he's he generally speaking makes the right decisions about the ball to play in and every cell in your body is telling you when you get that kind of space to whip it to whip it into the the middle where there's more people standing to you know to maybe kind of hang it up past the keeper and and try and do something and just the composure to to actually stop and to play the slightly you know the slightly uglier ball kind of just back through the the space where Bacchus is arriving is really really um, really impressive I think uh, I think he deserves you know just as many plaudits as, as Bacchus does for yeah for that goal and, and for how it ended up. Um, I'm not going to break out into neighbours or home and away puns like some people do, but um, <laughs> feels really good that they've obviously got a bit of a connection there. I think Bacchus is becoming closer each day, home and away. <laughs> I'm reusing yep. the same body puns that I did on the commentary. Yeah, <laughs> and you think you know playing together, living together, it really won't be that long before good neighbours become good friends. Yeah, <laughs> if that's not too much to say. Um, no, I, I think uh, it must be an absolute dream to play wide of Bacchus in this formation just with the space that he creates and his, his movement he's, if he's not the one that's taking that wee flick and putting you into the space he's the one you know showing up in the box to to get on the end of something with a really intelligent, intelligent um, bit of movement as well so no I, I thought the two of them had excellent games on on Saturday I think I, I take your point about him starting a little bit brighter but I think we just there's no you know, there's no qualms about it. We seem like a team who are very, very comfortable to play exactly the way we want to play and the way Robinson's drilled them. And that means from kickoff, you know, we're, we're not pushing all the way up and, and, and you know, and, and time's gone by, we, we seem to always start quite brightly and then fade a bit. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think f- from, 
you know, almost from kickoff, we were quite happy to say, right, Paul Hanlon, eighty yards out, do your worst. Yeah, have the have the ball for ten seconds and see if you can do anything with it. And I felt like all day we restricted them to really deep crosses. You know, the wingers would get down, they would get hounded out by either Tate and Dunn or Strain and Fraser. It would have to get rolled back to whoever's sitting further back if it's you know if, if it's Boyle that's trying to find a bit of space or whatever, and you're just floating balls in from. Mm-hmm. Miles out, and I, I don't know that Gallagher missed a header all day. No, nah, he was really yeah. solid. But I, yeah, I think the way we we do set up just to kind of let them, as you said, like <laughs> Paul Hanlon, like here's the ball, what are you guys do it, kind of thing. Like yeah. e- even if when they're they're reaching our sort of defence, um, I, I think we're just so confident, and like every player knows yeah. where they should be, like. And we're we're confident to let them attack because I mean we've seen it several times how how quickly we can counter and yeah. like catch them on the break and um, we've done it quite a few times. Unfortunately, we missed quite a few sitters, <laughs> um, to say the least. But um, I mean it, everything's looking extremely promising, and the fact that we only managed to get like despite Hibs having all that possession, like they had one shot on target. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. It wasn't. Like you're letting a team come onto you like that, and you're bringing them all the way up to the edge of your box and and letting them take pot shots or whatever. We were really, really disciplined, really controlled. We were winning everything in the box, and even you know it's it's really rare that I watch us, I watch that happening to us, and someone getting their end their, their head on the end of a a cross and head on it, you know, twenty yards out, and there's a bank of three Hibs players there sitting to deal with that second ball, and I just wasn't that worried with what was going to happen next because. The only thing they were going to be able to do because we pushed out to them again so quickly was shuttle it back out mm-hmm. to Boyle or Stevenson or whoever it was that was sitting deep out and trying again. And on the day that Gallagher was having in particular, and, and I think that's maybe my my top game for Charles Dunn in a summer shot. Mm-hmm. I thought he was I thought he was outstanding. There's just nothing nothing getting by them. I, we were really really well set up, and Hibbs's greatest spell of pressure and where they looked like they might actually do something in the second half. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that by that point you've got Main, Ayunga, Bacchus, who've, who've ran themselves into the ground. You know, they've, they've pressed at the right times, they've chased everything down and, and we needed a bit of fresh legs. I'm, I'm amazed Bacchus stayed, mm-hmm. stayed on. I, th- I think I think the fact that he ballooned that first one-on-one over the bar might have a little to do with the fact he was completely gassed. Yeah. Um, there's just n- nothing left in the tank at that point and then you stick Brophy on and within five minutes Brophy's winning the ball off a of Porteous like level with it his own mm-hmm. his own penalty spot out wide and it's, you know there's there's a method to that it's not it's not chance and I think subs are going to be so important for us this year and it just begins to to validate a lot of the stuff that Robinson's spoken about in terms of squad and and what he's done, you know, we had a bench. I mentioned this before. Kickoff. Have you ever seen us with a full nine-man bench, and every one of them that could have come on would have been someone that's had first team minutes before, yeah. or was really unlucky not to start? And so we had options constantly. Like a young guy, main can come off in games just now, and there was three strikers on that bench who you would have been perfectly happy to see come on and, and try and make a difference. You've mm-hmm. got. You've got legs in, in midfield, you've got Gog, which I thought come on him and did exactly what you yeah. wanted him to do. Um, there's just depth there that I don't remember as, as having 
And if we're going to play this way, we are going to tire ourselves out and it becomes all the more important that you've got those extra subs to make and, and do that. And I, I just thought game management-wise, just spot on. There's, there's not there's not enough plaudits for for how well we saw that one out, I think. I think something we also kind of need to look at is an issue St Martin have had for such a long time under Goodwin and probably even before Goodwin as well is our tendency to concede from set pieces. Yeah, it was always an issue. Every time you like, I, like we'd concede a goal, you'd see in the like the, our group chat set piece again. Like that, it was. Yeah. I, 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 we'd always have a good sort of defender. I mean, we've got very similar defense. Yes, we've got Gallagher in there, but a similar defense that we've had previously, and we've conceded those goals from set pieces. Now, Hibs had quite a few set pieces, and we we dealt with nearly every single one of them. Yeah. And it, and I think it really is down to sort of Robinson. And I go back to it again with Alex Grieve when we asked about the main differences between um, Goodwin and Robinson. It says that uh, in training, Robinson's so much more technical, so much more shape and position. And, yeah. um, and, and that is clear to see. And that's why we're three matches um, with clean sheets not not conceded. And when was the last time that happened? I couldn't tell you. Uh, we've discussed before the interview that Robinson did with Motherwell's media team which um, I'd, I'd recommend anyone goes back and, and has a and has a listen to it's about an hour um, you know I'd, I'd love for us to be able to do something mm-hmm. similar with them if um, if the layers where it just breaks down his way of his way of working and it's, it's a lot of the same stuff that's now applying to us he's, he's talking about the recruitment set up with Martin Foyle and and how that works and what they're trying to do it, it, at the time he's talking about Lasley's assistant and not a Carol but you can hear the way he talks about Carol now and, and how good he is at analysis um I think it was him that had mentioned uh, to Robinson on the bench on Saturday about Kilty coming on mm-hmm. because Doyle Hayes was at the centre of, of everything when they were beginning to overrun us in the second half. So taking off a striker and pinning Kilty to Doyle Hayes meant they didn't have that option. And it was after that that we then broke three, four times in the space of mm-hmm. you know, a relatively short amount of time. So he's talking about the value of a car. But anyway, so in, in this Motherwell um, interview, which is on Spotify and, and all the rest of it, he talks about that, but what he, he talks about in some detail, and it, it just bears fruit with what Greaves said, is about how he trains and breaking things up into into small groups. I think with with Goodwin, I mean Goodwin's a thorough manager. No one's no one's saying he's he's not he doesn't care about the details. It's not that at all. But I think we've gone from you know all of the first team doing certain training, and then maybe you know the back four do a bit of like defensive line, you know, in their warm up and whatever, and that being as specific as things get to. As I understand it, Robinson breaks us up into like four, five player groups, and it's you know the fullbacks and the wide players who are going away and doing particular training on shape and position and reacting to set pieces and reacting to to throw ins. You've got your your strikers and maybe Kilty who's going to you know sit in that kind of same spot, doing very very specific movement training about that position so that a younger picks the ball up thirty yards, he's back to goal. He knows that Bacchus is peeling around his right and he knows that Maine will have already started a diagonal run to, to find space and it's just specific we're, we're very very regimented in, in what we're doing just now we, we press at a certain time we break from the back at a certain time we sit back and let the opposition have possession at a certain time and then the moment that trigger press goes it's it's chaos for a little bit and, and something happens and uh, you know I, I didn't necessarily think this is what I would think beforehand but 
I would be happy for us to have thirty percent, thirty five percent possession in yeah. every game until until the end of the season. If if that's how solid we're going to look at the back and that's how aggressively we're going to we're going to counter and, and take teams on, it just doesn't feel like some football at all. <laughs> um, but it's um, it's really really enjoyable to to watch, particularly on a day like Saturday, um, and it's consistent. I yeah. think that's the the thing. If you know that your squad's buy into it, if you know you've got the numbers to cope with injuries or fitness issues, why can't you do that against Hibs just the same as you try and do it against the Rangers or a Hearts? Or I think Tynecastle is going to be such an interesting test for us mm-hmm. to see where we are. And I'm, I'm honestly, you know, I don't think we've got any divine right to expect a result, but I'm, I'm not worried. I'm not, I'm not worried. We're going to take a pace, and I'm excited to see how we counter against them because they'll just want to batter us. You know, Barry Mackay and Lauren Shankland and all these guys will sit so high. Mm-hmm. They'll push right up because they're going to have possession. They've got guys that are dangerous. And I would back our back three to cope with it mm-hmm. and to pick them off. I think it could be really interesting. No, 100%. Um, another talking point we, we should bring up. Um, you, Anne, should he have been sent off? Firstly, he should have absolutely buried that chance he had. Yeah. In the, in the first half, that was horrendous. Well, see, see something that I noticed, and I think this kind of falls into um, basically what you were saying as well. Allowing him so much time on the ball, right? He's a quick player. Yeah, he can. He, he has like he's got a lot of skill. He can dribble with the ball. But see if you give him all the time, he doesn't know how to make a decision. So many times where there was a pass open, where he just went, "Oh, I'll continue going with it," and the ball was taken clean off him. Um, yeah. I noticed that several times and I don't know if that was maybe the frustration that eventually led to him um, having a kick out to me I, I, I thought it should have been a, a second yellow and sending off Sam at the time said no he, he quite liked the referee's leniency there but like, I, I, I don't know I, I think if that just, if yeah. he wasn't on a yellow card that would have been a yellow card therefore it's another yellow card decision he should have been sent off yeah I mean my, my view I'm, I'm literally opposite side from mm-hmm. From that and, and kind of the, the wrong half. So, but from, from where we were, it looked, you know, cut and dry. Like, I, I don't know how, I don't know how it wasn't. Um, but the, the sports end went in pretty heavy on this in the, the summary after the, the game as well about referees this year. And, and there'd been an obvious leniency mm-hmm. on um, on some things, you know, for all the talk about the, the Bashiri penalty in the, the Hibs Rangers game the week before. The, the one that Hibs didn't get where Bashiri's pulled back by is it Tavernier? Um, I think it's Tavernier. Um, is is a, a really lenient decision. You know, they've both got their hands on each other but the defenders get both his hands on Bashiri and pulls him back and it's not given. Um, you don't need to get into like, the Sands decision or whatever because I think that's just a terrible decision. Mm-hmm. But I think they're definitely not given some stuff that they could give to try and keep players on the pitch this year and keep things flowing a bit more but you know, and I know it's a cliche, but you just have to see how quickly he was substituted. Yeah. After that decision, to know, um, know Lee Johnson's thoughts on on that one, he was incredibly lucky to have, mm-hmm. have stayed on the, the park at that point. But other than that, despite this, the being the referee's first game in the top flight, usually when you see that, it always seems yeah. to happen against us, and you're kind of like, oh, it's just going to yeah. be another play- referee that's not going to be able to handle this well. St. Martin crowd's always difficult and they were always quite harsh on officials and yeah. that could really get them. Other than that decision, I think he was pretty much bang on for most of the rest of it. 
Yeah, it was fine. It was a tough game to, to referee as well because Porteous makes things mm-hmm. makes things difficult. He's he play act. He's thrown himself about, and and you know it would have been really easy. There was one that, that you guys caught on on commentary um, that with Main and Porteous running to catch up with bo- the ball as it cleared over, and Porteous just goes over. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, Porteous does that thing where you stop. And just let the guy go over the back of you. So like Porteous falls and lets Main go over the back of him and is then claiming for something mm-hmm. off the ball. And and Main straight up and over to the ref being like I, there's right. there was nothing in that at all. Like straight on. And that would have been really easy to stop and mm-hmm. blow up and then try to, to do something and he just let it happen and it let it happen the same in both halves where Porteous was dropping down yeah. and someone nudged him at corners. Easily and- a call that um a free kick when a younger like literally I, I, Junga did have a hand on him but he didn't push him and he went down yeah, yeah. handling trying to claim for the free kick and that even Hibs fans have pointed out like I've brought that up saying that's a joke and he needs to sort this out so when, you, yeah. when your own team's even like getting fed up you like it kind of shows and there was a you few times to that well. uh, there's a few times as well um, at set pieces and stuff at corners that um, I think Portis had in his mind that he could get Declan Gallagher to react there was a few times yeah. he was going up and pushing him and having a wee nudge and kidding on he was getting pushed back and stuff. But again, I mean, Declan um, Gallagher, he held his coat, like, he's calm and the referee done well to kind of, like, look, I yeah, can he's... see what's happening here. That's not... What's... He's not known for his, uh, he's not known for his temper. No, no, not at all. Wouldn't, um, wouldn't take a swing at anybody. No, I don't think so. Um, the, uh, the, the only one, which I guess we'll never see again because it wasn't in the highlights or anything, was right in front of, of where we were and I, I think it was Hanlon definitely threw a wee a wee cheeky arm in a in a Yunga's in a Yunga's direction and it was right in front of the linesman. And it was so the lines although the ref had a pretty good game, the linesman down our side was getting a fair bit of um a fair bit of abuse for, for just kind of watching that that happened. I think Ayunga is tricky and it you know he's 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 as guilty as, as some others, maybe not as guilty as Porteous, but is guilty of, of you know kind of you know maximizing things and and whatever but there was definitely a wee a wee arm thrown yeah um, i think that, i noticed it as well but like he went down holding like his leg I, I, right um and i, I don't maybe a younger didn't quite notice that because i think i said that hanlon swung his arm there and um, yeah he, i think he was quite lucky but i mean okay as well it's maybe one of those ones that one spars in yeah you never know you never know. That's the thing. That's the stuff I think is going to that's going to get picked up by VAR. It's not suddenly going to stop terrible refereeing decisions being terrible mm-hmm. decisions. Um, we'll, we'll pick up things that haven't been spotted at all, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? Uh, but before any any other th- any anything else you want to highlight from that match? Um, I think I, I kind of said said my piece on on most things. I think. Um, I'm just trying to remember off the, the top of my head um, who I'd said had particularly strong strong games. Strain, Main and, and Dunn were, were my three standouts, mm-hmm. although there, there wasn't a bad performance no, I don't in think... the team at all. Sorry, Nico. No, I was just going to say, I, I don't think there was a bad performance and I think the subs mm-hmm. all come on and all did something that they were brought on to do. It wasn't just fresh legs. Brophy come on with a with a really clear idea of what he was trying to do and, and you saw him get his rewards from that, he, sh- he should have done better with that with that chance. Um, I think the, the criticism for the first Bacchus one-on-one mm-hmm. I think is a little bit harsh. He should, he should be more composed, mm-hmm. but 
he's getting shown out wide and the keeper's at his near post. So your only real option there is to try and laser it past him. He, he doesn't have the option of cutting it back across because the guy's shepherding him out and the keeper's there. So the only way you're getting past the keeper is he's at his near post is by like hammering it. So he has to do that and it just doesn't catch it right and falls over. And I think he's he's pretty tired. The second one's criminal. <laughs> Um, the, the, second the second one, he, one he he should just, have the second one he's just absolutely done though I think yeah I think he's, he, he's, even when he's running with it you can see him looking about to see if he's got someone yeah. to pass to and when he doesn't he's like right I'm just going to have to go for it when we look at um, Brophy's chances he's, he's so unlucky when it hits the post um, yeah really good work from Main before that as well mm-hmm. Main, Main has a bit of a reputation of just being a battering ram which I'm, I'm as guilty of as anyone else but the finesse from Main to send the defender the wrong way with his touch mm-hmm. and then pull it back and get it through to Brophy is really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's really, really intricate play. And although there's a little bit of fortune that sends Brophy into space with the touch after that, it, it was a really tidy finish from him as well. And nine times out of ten, that's that's either nestling into the side net and or rolling back across mm-hmm. the line and, and going in. He's, he's so unlucky. I was out of my seat further than I was out of my seat when Iwalumo put that <laughs> that are past the post against Norway. I'd me and at least kind of 50 people in every direction were convinced that was in and had to kind of be sat back down after that. Uh, my, it was painful. My voice on on, on the commentary, <laughs> I have not listened to this bit back yet, but I will eventually, was so high <laughs> that I think I had to apologise in case people had dogs at home or something because I, when it hit the post, I think I, I literally said, oh, it's hit the post, but I can't even recreate how high my voice went on that one um but yeah the the, the second chance that he had when he when he hit it over or was that his first yeah, it, I, I should i should have done much better there yeah i think there's a different standard being applied to bacchus 80 minutes in mm-hmm. um breaking through and doing that and brophy just on the park when he's he's on the pitch to get shots like that mm-hmm. and to and to pull something out in those moments and to not hit the target's pretty pretty poor from from there, Jimmy, it's by no means a Jimmy, it's not an, we're not talking about an open goal here, it's not a setter, but no. you, you need to get on target. Yeah, that's it. You need to hit the target. That's that's where you'll be forgiven, but like it wasn't even close. Like that that's Yeah, that's no, no, it was it was gone. <laughs> but um, you know, assuming assuming he stays, which I guess we'll we'll talk about, um it's just gonna take time for him to I think he's his sights back in. Mm-hmm. It's a long time without without football for a guy who had I think has always been a, you know, a confidence and, and fitness player. He needs a run of games. He needs to have a couple of goals behind him, and then you're going to get the best out of him if he's out of form and if he's not getting regular football. Then he's just never quite as as sharp. So maybe in a few weeks' time, if if he's still here and he's getting a bit more a bit more time on the pitch, he buries that. Yeah. Uh, before before we go to the St. Johnson game, uh, there is a transfer window in between. Where there are some rumours about players going, um, some have quietened down a wee bit, um, and some have re-emerged. Dylan Reed to Celtic is back again. Um, I'm guessing he might have been hoping for a Rangers move, possibly if you if you go <laughs> by his family's social media accounts. But um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not too fussed about Dylan Reed going. He's in his last year of his contract. I don't think he wants to stay. You may as well get yeah. rid of him now where you can attach a, a sell-on clause or something that you wouldn't get if he left for a de- developmental fee. And, I mean, he, 
he's not going to get first team this 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 season. I can't see it. it yeah, it doesn't feel like it. Especially with the addition of Gogic, you, you, like we've got such a good strong midfield that I can't see him getting in. He needs like maybe if you gave him another loan move where he could get a wee bit more first team football. We try to loan him at Queen's Park and it never really materialised. Like letting him go to Celtic, I think don't stand in his way. If Celtic want to pay some money and we can get a, an add on fee like um, a percentage at a later date if he goes on to do something that's the way yeah. that's the way to look at it I, th- I think so I think um, without wanting to to turn into Jack Ross and fall down the the hole of just asking myself questions like would I rather we had someone with that kind of talent in the squad and, and kept them and built them up then of course but the reality of the situation is that there's all I think there's almost no chance of him being our player beyond this season, mm-hmm. and what we do with him this season will have no impact on the value that we get back for him. At the end of that, we'll get the fee we were going to get, and and he'll be off, and he'll be you know kind of, and you know that the payoff for that investment is going to be for in someone else's colours. Mm-hmm. So I would rather we kept him, but I would rather we kept him because he'd signed yeah. a new contract and. and then you can justify, you know, if, if he's maybe not quite at the, the current ability level of, you know, call it, call it Bacchus or, or say Flynn, if, if you want to, but he's going to be better, then you can justify leaving someone like that out. You can justify leaving Flynn off the bench and re- being the guy that's coming on and getting minutes because it's all building up to something. But if we're not going to have him beyond the end of the season yeah. and he's not quite as good as them as it stands, then he's not going to go on the pitch. And uh, you know, by all accounts, he's he's too good to not be playing football already. He should be, he should be somewhere getting minutes. I, I wish it was for us, but if um, if his head's been turned kind of longer term, then I don't think it's a bad decision at this point to to get something for it that's maybe got a bit of future. I think future I, potential in it as well. Yeah, I think I think that's where the main difference comes down between like his situation and Ethan's situation, where you go, yeah. do you cash in on Ethan now and get that sell-on clause as well? Or do you let him go at the end of the season and you get a season's worth from him? He, you know, he's had over 100 games for St. Martin now. He's an experienced midfielder. He's now probably in the best form that he's ever had for yeah. us. Like, it might be worth just keeping him for the season, letting him do his thing, like let, allowing us to, like, him on form is only going to help us and it can help us push into that top six position that we're looking at, possibly even a European position, who knows. That might be worth more than just, like, selling him for the money now. Yeah, yeah, Dylan Reed's, you know, at least two seasons away yeah. from being able to to play at that level. I would have thought, just in, in terms of pure pure maths, he's just not had the the pitch time to to get to that point. So, yeah, right. It's just it's just different. It's just different equations. I'd be sorry to see him go because you, you are anytime someone like this comes through. I was it felt like that the first time McAllister mm-hmm. left. We just started to see what he was capable of, and at that point, it was all potential. Um, and then and then he just walks away at that point and you, you just have to accept it. You know, it, it would feel kind of quite similar to to that. And I certainly don't hope, you know, that this is the kind of this was the you know, the kind of sliding doors bit and, and it, it goes away and it doesn't work out for him in the end. Anyone that comes through and you hear about them being that talented, you want them to go and find somewhere to to show that and to, to play well. I'd, I would just rather it was for us. But mm-hmm. you know, case of that. Um, another player that might be on his way out he was on the bench again and that is Joe Shaughnessy in parentheses sponsored by Misery Hunters 
yeah, we should um, we should maybe look at this for next season and take uh, take votes and or contributions from mm-hmm. from someone on Twitter on who they would like to leave, and we can get that sponsorship <laughs> request in nice and early in the summer and see and see what we can do. Um, Joe's another one. He's been my favourite player over the last few years. Mm-hmm. He's he's been he's he's brought a kind of steadiness and consistency to us. That, I mean, and know, I think we've always been very vocal in our support for Joe Shaw, yeah. which lent one of the best responses that we ever got to the podcast, which was your pod. No, it was Joe Shaughnessy's shit, and so is your podcast. I think that was yeah, our which, podcast bio for a while. Yeah, there was a talk of that being the the official misery hunters tattoo. If one of us had had to take the forfeit, <laughs> um, for a while. No, a, a massive, massive Joe Shaughnessy fan. He's also been very, um, you know, like very generous to to us as well. Mm-hmm. After all that, and I, I don't know if it's because he heard us, you know, <laughs> sticking up for him um, when when not many did kind of way back when. Um, but he's, you know, he gave us um, gave us a lot of time. Gave us a clip for the the podcast. He's come over and chatted to us a couple of times. He he let me talk complete shit to him at the play of the year dinner for for way longer than he had to. Gave us um, he just captain, seems like a nice guy. Gave us his captain's armband. Yeah, um, it just seems like a good, uh, a good lad, and I'm sure, I'm sure Robinson would rather he was in the squad, even if he doesn't see him as a, as a first pick in the way that we're playing just now. But I think he, he kind of said it himself in that interview. Sean sees at an age and a stage in his career and everything else, and has done so much for for someone in his time here that if he's not going to get a game and he wants to go and get a move to get that time you're, you're not going to stand in his way you're you know it's, you, you only get one one go at your football career and he's he's just too old to sit on the bench for for a year especially um, in this position because you know he is good enough for other teams in this league i mean he's good he's good enough for us it's 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 marginal that he doesn't get mm-hmm. into our team but once once you decide that Declan Gallagher is the central center half in that in that lineup and you've got Gogic who can mm-hmm. who can do that too and you know, Shaughnessy could could cover Fraser or Dunn's wider roles, but isn't that kind of natural wider defender? It's you know, it's hard to find a way back in. You're just waiting for a suspension or an injury at that point, and I just don't think he can play one game in six. You know, and, and he shouldn't want to, and, and he shouldn't he shouldn't be expected to. So I'd much rather he stayed. I think he's an excellent excellent voice around the mm-hmm. around the pitch, and he seems like he would be a you know, a really dependable voice in the dressing room and all the rest of it, but I think we've kind of made our choice and you, you just have to at some point, you just have to be ambitious if you think there's a player out there who, you know, sentimentality aside will push you on a wee bit, then you just need to go for it. And Robinson's got that, we, we spoke about that um, at the end of last year when, when he was coming in. He's just got that kind of bastard in him where, you know, Brilliant, Shaughnessy was captain last year and mm-hmm. we had a really good defence towards the end of the season but I think I've got a better defender now so I'll bring them in and we'll deal with it. I think that's he's, he's not going to lean on the fact that a guy saw him through a previous situation so we'll just let him keep going until until it falls through, you know, the, the kind of Callum Davidson kind of way of of things you could say um, so I hope Joe's still here come Friday mm-hmm. morning but um, I wouldn't hold it against him if he, if he found something else um, I think we've all kind of touched on like there isn't many players that you that you would necessarily need um, to come in. Obviously, you're kind of looking for cover for Tanzer. Um, Josh Reed was um, 
rumoured, and then someone made the fake sun post, and everyone thought that was happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if there's still rumours about him coming in, um, whether there might be someone... I mean, I'd rather not do this, but a loan from Celtic as part of, part of the Dylan Reid deal, you, you, you just don't know, but if it's just for cover, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'd be happy with that. Like, someone that you can get in that's not going to break the budget, and maybe come January we might need something that we can use and we, rather than breaking the budget for just a cover player. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's a good position that we've manoeuvred ourselves into where we've done good permanent business early. Mm-hmm. And it means that you can just rely on that towards the end of the market. It's not like we brought three loans in to build up a squad and now we're scrambling to still try and fill, fill gaps. Teams will have players they want out on loan before the end of the window. Um, you know, it's not quite in, we've got the luxury of waiting. If we didn't bring in a left-sided player, we've still got to answer to come back fit. Mm-hmm. And, just, and, um, and and Tate is is by no means a bad a bad option. He had another really solid game. He dealt with what could have been a, a really horrible afternoon. Mark and Martin Boyle, um, particularly late in the game, Boyle was dragging him yeah. 20 yards up the pitch and then, and then trying to drag him 40 yards back down. And, and, Tate, and Tate kept him kept at it he deserves a lot of respect for that so we're not in a bad spot if we don't bring someone in I just feel like one more body on that side of the pitch would give us a wee bit of added balance particularly if Tate's then needed to cover on the right hand side or even on one of the kind of you know if Dunn was injured I think Tate's maybe your natural your natural fit to, to slot back there and play that kind of wider centre half row mm-hmm. um, so it just gives us a bit more a bit more cover I think that's what we're we're waiting on it. I still wouldn't be surprised to see one of the kind of bigger, bigger names, bigger earners go. Um, a young and main feel like are starting front two. I, I think it works well, and I think we kind of touched on it in the last podcast as well. That yeah, if if it is Brophy that has to go, yeah, we'll be disappointed. But you've got Alex Greve there that can do a very similar job. Yeah, it might not be yeah. as like prolific in the history, but like I mean. Alex Grieve is not going to be on a wage anywhere close to where Brophy is. No, no. Um, You've got Grieve that can come on and do, you know, the similar job. You've got Offord who I think is just waiting for an opportunity to mm-hmm. show what he can do. And then you've got what Robinson did on Saturday, which is bring Kelty on for one of your your forwards and just sit slightly behind and, and kill, you know, the, the kind of sitting playmaker mm-hmm. of your, your other team. So we've, we've got options. I think that's, that's kind of Kelty's role this year. Um, and, and we've got Fraser Taylor as well who mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's been a bit quieter on him more recently as, as squad numbers have gone up but he's, he's absolutely an option there so that feels to me like the you know the kind of slightly over you know if, if there's if there's a bit of fat in the squad to be trimmed it, it's probably there it's mm-hmm. either there or you know Reed's going and, and maybe maybe there's a you know maybe there's already a contingency in place with Gokic for for Ethan to get picked up late on in the window or something if, if something comes in that you can't turn down and, and that he's desperate to take but you know if, if we get to Friday morning and nothing's changed then I'm very happy with how the summer's gone mm-hmm. no, I've got no concerns 100% agree um, looking towards the St Johnson game I'm actually quite looking forward to this like um, it, it's a strange thing being excited well I've all, I'm always looking forward to going to see or watching St Martin but like Three wins on the trot, three clean sheets. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I know St. Johnson were pretty awful last season. I think we were, and most of us had them favourites to go down. 
this season. Yeah. They've been probably performing a wee bit better than than we'd thought. But I'd still reckon I'd be confident playing them. Yeah, they're they're there for the taking. I think they're maybe the team in the division who are most likely to sit back mm-hmm. against us um, and not let us play this game that's been that's been what we're trying to build. Although at home, that's maybe that's maybe not quite as true as it would be if it was if the game was in Paisley. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, I don't think there's anything there that we should be worried about. You know, even their goal at the weekend. Was Graham Carey being given essentially an open goal on the edge of the box? Like I don't see us doing that at any point. <laughs> um, I think we'll be a bit um, a bit more solid than that. And if um, if we do get them dragged up the pitch and turn them, then you've got a young main or or Brophy, you know, Strain, Tate, Bacchus, O'Hara, whoever it is, turning round. Um, Gordon, who looks a, a bit of a shadow of himself, and then. You know the Craig Island over eighties priests team in terms of who else they've brought in this mm-hmm. summer. At the back, you've got Considine, McGowan, you know, just a, a really aging, aging defensive line who I just don't think will, will cope in the same way that guys like Fraser and Dunn cope with with what we're doing. So it's it's absolutely there for the taking. I think our our ambition should be with where we are just now. Should be that we're going there and we're we're pulling them apart. To be honest. No, I 100% agree with that. I think, as you've touched on, they've, they've got quite an agent squad as well. So, like, if we can ca- catch them on the break a few times, I don't think we've got anything to be worried about. Um, but we will be back after this. Hello, I'm Stephen Thompson, and you're listening to the Misery Hunters podcast. And I, I guess this is where most people have been waiting for. A lot of people's favourite part of the show, my favourite part of the show. But we've got a couple of messages and I'll play the first one. Bonjour, je m'appelle Dave Cormack. J'habite à Aberdeen, en Écosse. Bienvenue à Shite Takes de la Semaine. Vive la singe and vive la var. Uh. Thanks, Dave, but I think he's he's passed you some data, Mark, hasn't he? Yeah, they sent. Uh, he wanted to say his piece and follow on from that tweet earlier on, <laughs> um, which was very strange. And thanks to, um, I think it was Ryan Craig that tagged me in that to ask if I was behind that Dave Cormack account on uh, on Twitter. Um, but I think I think that's Dave's one. I'm not taking it to do it. No, it's Dave's uh, own, and just like just like I don't get what people are saying. You're not Dave Cormack. That's that is the real Dave Cormack who sent these messages. Oh, oh, of course, I'm a Dave Cormack enthusiast. I think that's why. Why the question was asked? They assumed that I would do something like that because of because of my relationship with Dave. But I, just to, to put everyone's mind at ease, that is actually Dave Cormack yeah. on Twitter. I know because he DMs me those um, sound clips for the podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, right, so that was a uh, that was good on him. First up, um, and I'm only mentioning this really because you can hate the boys on commentary if you want. You're absolutely free to do that. Um, I'm only bringing this up because the responses to this were absolutely glorious. They were. But um, Alan Spears on Twitter asking uh, Sitman TV in a direct tweet if any chance someone could have a word with the two clowns on commentary to give us proper commentary with a bit more professionalism and exclude all the chilly Dean nonsense. Firstly, get it up, yeah, Alan. Get and, it right up, you. Yeah. And before you reply to those things, the club always tweet chilly D at the start of the game when he's arriving. And it says chilly yeah. D, so like... 
that's not the the Chile D nonsense is like on board with St Mon. Like yeah, it's it's on brand. Like football's moved on. Al. I know. Um, I know you wish it was still all comb overs and brown balls, but we've, uh... to be fair, I did say to Sam that we will have done well if we had one old guy, and I did. I, I didn't think it would be on Twitter. <laughs> to be fair, I think I said that one of the Facebook pages either calling us two clowns or two idiots or something like that. So, <laughs> so can I um, can I put a call out actually that there wasn't nearly enough abuse of Jamie and Sam on uh, 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 on Twitter or Facebook. So if anyone did want to pile in after the fact. And get some conversation going. I'm um, I'm all in favour of that. Or well, I, I, I'm not in favour of that because you don't know who's watching these accounts. <laughs> actually, maybe we won't put Mystery Hunters back on comms and then mark your opportunities down, and you'll never be able to commentate on a match. I just want to stoke the fire up so that by the time I do it, I'm getting absolutely hounded <laughs> on every on every social media. But I'd be really disappointed if I didn't. Um, but yeah, so thanks for playing, Alan. That was good. Uh, Next up is uh, FTOF on uh, Pine Bovro, who uh, <laughs> said uh, Robinson in a recent interview had said that Olisanga had a badly broken toe. So that's just two of our forwards that we signed in the summer that he's just combined into Ola one neat Sanga. little package. Jesus. Yeah, Olisanga has broken their toe, apparently. Um, so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll move on from that. They have a shared toe? Yeah, it, it would appear so. Huh. Uh, oh, this isn't really a shite take um, but a quick shout out for Stuart Gilmer being a grumpy old prick on Twitter and saying that he didn't like our commentary or Hibs commentary cheers Stuart um, was it, was it, this is, is, the, is that him though confirming that he's illegally streaming that I'll be summoning at your door tomorrow Stuart don't worry Well, he's, either that or he's out in, he's out in Spain uh, what, and he's bought the stream from Hibs and St Mern and flicked between both of them I highly doubt it oh there we go <laughs> this is why this is why you get paid the big bucks by St Mern that's true because you get to the bottom of this stuff <laughs> um, I've saved the the worst take on the commentary to the end and I, this is genuinely terrible this, oh. this opinion's awful Derek Stevenson on the Facebook group referred to the commentary as Slightly biased but fair. <laughs> Fuck off, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. Good guy. <laughs> the the most biased commentary I've ever heard, and entirely unfair from start to finish, which is exactly how it should be. <laughs> um so so try harder, Derek. <laughs> uh, just a, a couple of brief ones after that. Callum MacArthur having a go at Ethan Erehon in the season of his life about not being able to tackle. By uh, asking if his dog could teach him how to tackle. No bother, Callum. Uh, the otherwise excellent and misery hunters quoting Joel Sked, referring to our Australian midfield dynamo as Kyle Bacchus. Oh, maybe he listened Must- to the, the previous uh, commentator, because was that not Magripe that he kept calling him Kyle Bacchus? Yeah, that was one of those. He's maybe mixing him up with Keanu Benedictus. Oh, well. Um, and uh, best day. Uh, well, best two for last. Uh, Diane Potts on the, the Facebook group just taking a picture of a guy in Arabic dress and posting it on this someone Facebook group with I've just seen an Arab and a middle finger. Like I get it, we, we beat Dundee United down, right? That's that's fair enough. But the, the whole Arab nickname thing, you should only really use that, you know, in Dundee. <laughs> don't uh, don't uh, don't stick that on Facebook with a picture of a guy in the uh, in a hairdress. That's that's not that's not sound. And uh, yeah, maybe just uh, forget that stuff. <laughs> And a uh, strangest, strangest tweet of the week 
comes in from uh, Davy the Buddy, who says, unprompted, I think, you scroll through the timeline, you see a lot of don't DM me or send me dick pics. I get little, and the ones I do, I ignore. I certainly don't get any dick pics. I've sent two DMs in my whole life I've been on here, and I've never sent or received a dick pic. Crazy. What a strange thing to say out loud. (laughs) Is he asking for a dick pic? It feels, Davey, like you're asking for a dick pic. And I'm certainly not encouraging people to send you one. But I'm saying that tweets like that might end up going that direction. Not that I'm encouraging a certain type of dick pics, but you could all follow Misery Hunter's panellist Craig who tweeted him a picture of Dick Dastardly. So if you follow down that... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's another call. If you want to send Craig Devine on uh, Twitter as many pictures of Dick Dastardly as you would like, Mm -hmm. I would really appreciate it. Um, Please get on that from the moment that you hear this podcast. Thank you. And uh, I believe that is all of Dave's shite takes for this week. Merci, everybody. Have a nice week. Au revoir. Fetch love got to do, got to do it. <laughs> Cheers, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> there was calls for Dave to be on. Um, Sitmarn commentary. Will, will, will Dave ever make an appearance on Sitmarn commentary? That's in the hands of James Hunter. Oh, okay, okay. That's his decision. I know that Dave will step in at a moment's notice. Maybe, maybe, if they give us the nod to go up to Pataudry, <laughs> <laughs> Dave might make an appearance. And that, that should be considered both a promise and a threat. <laughs> well, we've all got something to look forward to. Um, and I, I think that's it. Um, miseryhunters.co.uk We've got blogs on there. All our juicy merch is on there. Um, you can uh, we've got a new t-shirt coming soon so keep an eye out for that um, you can win that t-shirt if you join our Patreon it's www.patreon.com forward slash misery hunters you also get the discord and um, extra podcasts you can also listen to the full match commentary that's uploaded on there if you wish to hear that that is available um, and as always do you know what's quite funny fuck Jack Ross <laughs> fuck Lee Johnson and Jack Ross that's fair enough Sports Social Podcast Network hello it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.